This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, my name is Tommy and I'm an alcoholic. AA preamble, Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is the desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Tommy. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places. Prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is it is an allergy of the body, coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. And this is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. 
this program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9 and we're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Tommy and I'm an alcoholic. Wonderful. Welcome to the show. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about who you are outside of AA? Um, uh, how, do you want to tell us um, how old you are? Oh, sure. I'm 61. Wonderful. And um, do you work? Yep, yep. I work full-time uh, in mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have two adult sons um, and one granddaughter. (laughs) Oh, how wonderful. And another two grandchildren um, on their way. Oh, brilliant. That's that's amazing. And um, Tommy, how long have you been sober? Five and a half years. Brilliant. That's wonderful. And are you from Christchurch? Yes, yes. Well... Originally, I was born in Dunedin, but mm-hmm. yeah, I pretty much grew up in Christchurch. Wonderful. And um, tell us a little bit like what it was like growing up, a little bit about your childhood, your family. Right. Um, so I guess I had a pretty normal family up until the age of 10. Um, we all had hobbies and, you know, we lived in a suburban house, went to school, Um, mum and dad. um, Things changed. Um, My mother died suddenly, um, so we became a, you know, single-parent family with, you know, all the issues that go with that. Um, And was that when you were 10 or...? When I was 10. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And looking back, I was very much the caretaker Mm. in the family Um, I tried to take responsibility for all the things that a mother would have done in the home um, with a lot of frustration that went along with it so I do recall going into adulthood quite angry, Mm. quite frustrated Mm. a lot of um, abandonment issues uh, and not very good at dealing with, you know, stress. Wow. And um, that sense of responsibility is a lot, you know, for a 10-year-old, a teen, early adulthood. Yeah. Um, So let's talk then a little bit about your drinking and how did it start? Well, I recollect the first time I drank, I may have had sips of beer, um, you know, from Dad's glass, Mm -hmm. you know, to try it. But... The first time I really experienced the effects of drinking was at 14. Uh, It was New Year's Eve. The adults were all doing their own thing. And, you know, we sort of collectively, all the cousins, um, were getting stuck into a bottle of gin and tonic. (laughs) And uh, I just remember it was just sensational. Um, It was like all those worries and stresses were gone. Um, Mm. I loved it. And I probably never had quite the same sensation ever since, but Mm. uh, 
I was always looking for that sense of, you know, ease and um, being able to let go of worries and to feel confident and everything was fun. Uh, Yeah. And you got that from your very first time? From the very first time. And so, okay, so tell us, how did your drinking progress in your teens and into early adulthood? I was probably quite typical of... Um, you know, some of the teenagers that I drank with or young adults and that I was a binge drinker, Mm -hmm. um, drank till I was in blackout. Um, But it wasn't a daily thing until I think I discovered cask wine, (laughs) probably my early 20s. And then I um, started to enjoy daily Right. Daily drinks as a way of, you know, I did shift work um, in in my career and I remember it was a way of, you know, de-stressing mm. very quickly. Mm. And uh, the first time I actually started to worry that I had a problem was when I was really noticing my health was being affected and I approached a doctor about it. And wow. the doctor... I thought the doctor might suggest some really practical ways of getting help, but instead the doctor prescribed me, from memory, I think it was lorazepam. And all that did was actually, you know, add to the fun of drinking. Wow, and this is in your early in adulthood? Early adulthood. Um, so <laughs> it was a staggered career. Having children, I, you know, abstained you know, during pregnancies and breastfeeding. But my marriage broke up in my early 30s and that, you know, I can pinpoint that was when um, drinking became really a problem. And it escalated so, um, to, yeah. It, it wasn't just the obsession around drinking, it became the unmanageability. Unman- I was a solo mum trying to manage two children on my own and you know it you know alcohol was making it really difficult for me emotionally and physically um, to manage my life and so it was I think about the age of 34 I really sought help that was the first time and and so interestingly enough um, you know so through your 20s and into your 30s you mentioned that you were able to abstain for various family reasons. How did you feel when you weren't drinking? Um, like, what, how was your emotional state? I think that uh, I tended to be quite um, moody. Mm. I had a lot of mood swings. I was very reactive. Mm. Um I remember, I do recall going back, you know, to those early years that I was always on a um, crusade about something. (laughs) (laughs) Probably drove people nuts. (laughs) But I think in your earlier years, those first couple of, you know, decades of adulthood, you've got a lot more energy. You've Mm. got really license to get away with a lot Mm. more. Sure, sure. Um, and, and it really is in your middle age and older years that you just don't have that same license. Yeah. 
And so you said you you realized in your mid-30s that you needed help and you sought help. What yeah. did that look like? So I spoke to my GP, who was great, and he referred me to CADS, um, I think that was Canterbury Alcoholic Drug Services, who got me into rehab. That was Queen Mary, when Queen Mary mm-hmm. was um, still in operation. And, you know, I look back, even though I didn't stay sober, I look back at that time as being incredibly valuable. I learned a lot um, about alcoholism and a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. And it certainly gave me um, time out. Sure. From, and so you got some respite, and um, I guess what often people say in the room is it mucked up your drinking. Yeah, <laughs> drinking was never quite the same for me because I, you know, it is a disease of denial, but it was getting harder sure. to deny the issue. Um, and interesting, after um, doing rehab, I was completely abstinent for six months and I did go to AA. I did all the things that I'd been told to do mm-hmm. but I hadn't had my last drink and I mm. I recall after six months thinking I wonder if I can try controlled drinking and I actually managed it but my life still wasn't particularly manageable and I cross-addicted. Mm-hmm. I I suffered migraines and I also suffered from insomnia and so I was relying on painkillers and sleeping tablets mm. to get through. Um, so And drinking as well? Were you drinking at that time? At that time I was drinking sensibly. Right. <laughs> um, I had a partner who monitored my drinking. Wow. Um, and that, of course didn't lead to having a healthy Mm. relationship. And when that relationship ended, which was probably around my mid-40s, my career with drinking just took off again. Wow, yeah. It was free licence, and then it did take me until five and a half years ago to put my final drink down. So let's talk about that and, and people describe, uh, you know, it takes whatever it takes, but, you know, ultimately for you, your rock bottom, what did that look like and how did it get you into the rooms? Well, I came into the rooms about three years before I actually yep. put down my final drink. I had various lengths of sobriety over three years. Mm-hmm. I had sponsors. I was learning about... AA and what it required but that three years of picking up, putting down, picking up, you know relapsing um, was really when I look back was really about me still wanting to feel in control Mm. and um, the last the final um, relapse that I had I had a really good sponsor who said, "Um, I don't think I can keep sponsoring you. And I just thought, no, I can't lose her. And I said, please give me one more chance. And I never picked up after that. But in my mind was this thought, I can't 
I can never pick up again. Um, and I just have to do completely as I'm told. And I just completely immersed myself in the AA program. Mm. That's what got me sober, was that complete surrender mm. and immersion in the AA program and just understanding I could never pick up another drink. And and we we talk about the program and and you know what does that mean to you? Um, tell us about uh, you know what meetings were like when you first went to them. How are the people? Well, I I must admit um, that my memory of back in my thirties was a bit more sketchy. I did enjoy you know being able to you know share my feelings honestly although I was often extremely anxious at meetings um, and coming back in in my 50s um, I found it really difficult to sit in one spot for an hour mm. so that was to begin with as time went on that changed mm-hmm. um, I learned how to be present um, for an hour mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also found that I was quite judgmental mm. of people. I looked for the differences rather than the commonalities. That changed over time. And when I became sober and started to really feel the be- benefits of sobriety, I stopped. I, I actually stopped judging people and I just saw the commonalities and I really started to enjoy the meetings so mm. it was a progression of my being really unwell to my becoming well and the meetings making a lot more sense mm-hmm. the program making a lot more sense I I have to say when I surrendered I actually acknowledged that AA was going to be I was going to be doing AA for the rest of my life mm. so there was an acceptance there whereas Previously, there wasn't that mm. acceptance, so there was that shift. And um, and so another part of the program we talk about, and you've mentioned it, is sponsorship. So tell us how that's how that's worked for you. Ah, it's just saved me. Yeah, sponsorship has saved me. I had <clears throat> I had a sponsor um, the first time I got sober back in my thirties, and because I hadn't put down my last drink, that relationship didn't particularly develop Um, I probably didn't show enough interest when I came back in um, the second time um, it was great I got to do um, a lot of steps with the next sponsor but then I kept relapsing and I think after about the third relapse um, she resigned (laughs) as my sponsor so the third sponsor that I had really a lot of time mm. and care into that relationship. I learned a lot from her. She was really quite gentle with me, um, and I did not want to lose her. Mm. So she she played a huge part. Um, she's she's gone back overseas, so I have another sponsor now who's been my sponsor for possibly nearly four years, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I really value that mm. relationship. Um, she will tell me things straight. 
and I <laughs> chose that particular person because I knew she'd be straight up mm. with me and I needed that. Mm. Um, yeah, no, she's been great and I've learned a lot from her and my own sponsorship. You know, mm. I've got um, a couple of sponsees at the moment. Um, and that's really important for my own sobriety is sponsoring other people. Absolutely. And I guess that sort of leads into, you know, some of the things we do and what, how do you cope during difficulty, times of difficulty? What are some of the things you do? Uh, well, I talk to my sponsor. I um, meditate. I hand over. I say the serenity prayer. Um, I take I take a lot more time out for myself mm. now. I go for walks. Um, I read. Um, the meditation, I do breathing exercises. I'll talk to another alcoholic. Mm. And quite often I'll pick up the pace of meetings and which has been quite difficult with um, the pandemic, but I found quite a few good meetings mm. online. Um, yeah, actually I was having a bit of a difficult week last week and I think I went to four meetings and it was great. It got me yep. back on track. Yeah. And, and speaking to another alcoholic, I think, like you said at the end there, and, um, and, and the gifts of, of having... The ability to help another alcoholic. Now, Tommy, what would you say, um, you know, around AA being described as a spiritual program, not a religious program? What does spirituality look like and mean for you? I think there's an element of self acceptance. Um, when I think about spirituality first and foremost I feel connected I feel connected to other people I feel connected to the environment that I'm in and I feel connected to myself so it really is that word connected um, and that self-acceptance helps me with that um, and just to an acceptance of life on life's terms. Mm -hmm. And since I've been able to make those shifts, you know, around self-acceptance and acceptance of life on life's terms, um, I'm experiencing all the joys that were really... Um, they were very sort of faded for mm. me, if I, if I could put a visual... Um, mm -hmm picture on that um, the things that I enjoy today I, I'm sure I used to enjoy as well in my drinking days but <laughs> not nearly as sharply mm. or as acutely um, yeah and that's um, you know I guess that's that was my next question which is describe your life today yeah well it's busy <laughs> um, I feel a lot more settled in myself. Um, I've got a stronger identity um, in lots of ways where I live. I've got um, recently built a house and um, I'm, I interact all the time with mm. my family. Um, 
I'm a lot more challenged and, no, I've been able to take on more challenges mm. um, in my life, especially in my work, which I would never have had the ability to do mm. while I was drinking. Um, I look to the future with hope, mm. you know, which I didn't have. Um, and I trust myself. Mm. Huge changes. Beautiful. What would you suggest that someone might ask themselves if they think they might have a drinking problem? Um, have you been able to stop? Have you tried? Have you failed? Um, how is it impacting mm. on your life? Mm. Is this how you want your life to continue to look? Mm. And also to ask, you know, can you ask for help? Yep. Wonderful. Well, Tommy, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. You're welcome. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember... If you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We'll now close the show all together with the serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.